Thank you all for hanging on. Murphy Houston here on Mile High Magazine. And I don't know if you knew this or not. I know it's early May, but the month of April was Esophageal Cancer Awareness Month. Who knew? Who knew about it? But I read some information about it and how if you could have some heartburn situations, it could lead to something even worse. I thought, whoa, let's find out. So we have gotten a hold of Dr. Lishan Aklog, the chairman and CEO of Pavmen. Pa, is it Pavmen, Doc, or Pavmen? Pavman, yeah. Yeah, Pavman. So I had to find out about this because a friend of mine has a lot of heartburn and is always complaining. I thought, there's a chance for this maybe developing into esophageal cancer. How does that work? Is that true? Um, it is. Uh, but first, let me uh, thank you for having me on, <clears throat> Murphy. And, and that is true. So um, many people don't realize this. Most people think that heartburn, it's also referred to as GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease, is... Um, simply more of a nuisance. It's something that um, you try to treat with medications over the counter or by adjusting your diet. And um, um, and most people, in fact, many doctors don't fully appreciate that um, that it's a risk factor and it can lead uh, to a, soft, a condition called esophageal precancer as well as esophageal cancer. That That's just some scary stuff. You wouldn't think something like heartburn would give you an increased risk, risk for this esophageal cancer. What do we need to be aware of? It's just a common person listening right now. Yeah, there's really two things. One, it's, it's, it's worth understanding a little bit why it happens. So when, when you have heartburn, what's happening is that fluid or acid in your stomach is um, sloshing back up to your food pipe, to your esophagus. Right, right. And that causes irritation of the lining of the esophagus and your body's attempt to deal with that irritation can lead to changes in the cells on the lining of the esophagus, which can lead to a precancerous condition and then ultimately progress to cancer. What people need to understand, the most important thing, is what the risk factors are. So if somebody has kind of a long-standing history of, um, of having had heartburn over years, um, it's very common, about 50 million people or one in four adults have symptoms of, of reflux or heartburn uh, on a weekly basis. And then there are a series of risk factors. There are actually six risk factors, and if you have three of these, uh, then you're at risk of having this uh, precancer condition and even cancer. And those risk factors are people who, uh, who are over 80, men, um, white people, um, obese people, people who have a smoking history, or anybody who has a family history of this. So if you think about that, those are fairly common uh, criteria. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you one clear example. So a 50-year-old white male who has a history of um, a long-standing heartburn uh, could have this. There's about a 5 to 15% chance that they have at least a precancer condition, and that needs to be, that needs to be assessed. Um, the good news is, is that the good news is that if we can pick it up at the precancer stage, then it's very um, uh, treatable. Uh, patients who have the earlier stage precancer can get um, can be monitored to see if it progresses. And once it, if it does progress to a later stage precancer, that can be treated with a, a less invasive procedure, and it can stop the progression to cancer. But in order for that to happen, people need to be identified, and people need to be tested or screened to, to determine whether they have this condition or not. So if you have these issues with heartburn, what's the frequency of heartburn you should be concerned with? Every day, once a month, once a week? Yeah, generally, there's no absolute sort of magic point. Generally, if it's, weak, if it's weekly or more and has lasted not just sort of one episode, um, you know, a period of time, but if it's been going on over a period of years, 
that would sort of be the threshold to say that you have sort of longstanding so-called chronic heartburn. And those are the people who should be uh, evaluated, particularly if they have the risk factors that I mentioned. And what are some of, you mentioned these precancerous situations, Doc. What are the symptoms? What would be an indication that I got something going on here, I better see my doctor? Ah, that's, that's the problem here, is that there are no symptoms that are specific to the oh. Once new symptoms develop, then you develop that, that those are signs of actual esophageal cancer. And the reason why we're, we're very focused on this is that esophageal cancer is a terrible cancer. I mean, all cancers are bad, but, but of, the, of all the cancers we have, it's the second most lethal. Uh, it has about an 80% mortality rate. People, 80, four out of five people who are diagnosed with it will die. Oh, my gosh. Five years. It's a terrible scourge. And, and even worse, compared to some other cancers, uh, the common ones we hear of, breast and colon and, and others, even picking it up at the stage one, at the very earliest stage of cancer, is not good enough. Um, uh, about 40% of people will die, even if you pick it up at the absolute earliest stage. That's why this is so important that we identify it in the pre-cancer stage and deal with it so it never, ever progresses to cancer. Um, so that's why the, the stakes are very high and um, why it's so important that we identify pa- these people with the, pe- with the pre-cancer so they can, they can be monitored and treated. Boy, you know, you never hear that, Doc. You hear about the other cancers you mentioned as far as publicity, perhaps, or awareness, but you never hear how lethal esophageal could be. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. It's the second most lethal cancer. The only one that's more lethal is pancreatic cancer. So it is, it's, it's really important that people understand that. And can women get it? You mentioned men are probably higher prospects, but can women oh, get absolutely. it? absolutely. Yeah. Women can definitely get it. And women actually have a slightly uh, higher um, um, uh, incidence or the, the number the number of patients with, with GERD. So women get, get reflux. They can get the precancer. They can get the cancer. Uh, but if you if you have, but men are somewhat more, uh, greater risk of developing the precancer cancer. But absolutely, it can happen at both. So the people out there that hear us now that are saying, "Oh yeah, I get heartburn, but I go get some of those heartburn medications that kind of eliminate the risk of cancer," don't they? All right, I'll ask. Do, do they? They do not. Yeah, yes, they absolutely do not. Yeah. So, so what the medications do when you what you're referring to are sort of long common um, antacids like Alka-Seltzer, Tums, as well as. Uh, somewhat newer medications called PPIs. Those include things like Prilosec, Nexium, um, Zantac. These are medications that you hear all the time. We get get bombarded with ads for them. Uh, so those can be pretty good at either improving or even eliminating symptoms, but they don't stop the sloshing of the fluid into the lower esophagus. So in a sense that they can, by, by uh, treating the symptoms, they can mask things. And what what we know is that they don't, prevent the um, chance that they don't, they don't prevent the esophageal precancer. Wow. You're kind of scaring me here, Doc. I'm t- <laughs> uh, not, not intended to scare you because there are things people can do, and that's the, that's the, the news that we're trying to get out. So we're not, asking, we're not trying to get people uh, panicked. We just want to let people know, and Esophageal Awareness Month was part of a, 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 an effort to do this, that, um, that the, there is a relationship, but the good news is is we have, we know who's at risk. We can identify the people at risk, and now we have, uh, and we and if we can identify the precancer condition, we can monitor and treat it. And so the key is to get people tested so that um, we can identify these and um, 
and do the appropriate thing. A good okay. good deal there. Dr. LaShawn Acklaw talking with us here now. Like any cancer doc, early detection is impossible. And I was seeing here in my notes that there's a new DNA testing that might help with this. Talk about that. That's correct. So, so as you mentioned, the early detection is absolutely key. We've made decent progress in other cancers, mammography for breast cancer, so-called pap smears for cervical cancer, colonoscopy and and stool DNA tests for colon cancer. And up until now, we haven't had a great, great success with early detection for these conditions. And that's because the only um, the standard test prior to now had been an endoscopy. And people know about colonoscopy, and endoscopy is a little bit more uh, involved with an upper endoscopy, and it requires uh, an intravenous anesthetic. It requires the person to go to a endoscopy suite to a kind of a, a surgical, surgical center and to have two people take the day off work and so forth. And so of the tens of millions of patients who are recommended for screening who have those risk factors that I mentioned, right. less than one in 10, closer to one in 20, ever get screened. So there has been a big breakthrough in that now we have a much simpler test in order that can detect this. So there's a DNA test um, called ESOGARD. It's um, uh, been on the market for a bit over a year, a bit over a year now, uh, and it's a DNA test that looks for changes on two specific genes. And individuals with uh, chronic heartburn uh, who develop these conditions, uh, this DNA test can, can detect those. And in addition to that, um, the DNA test can be performed on a sample that is um, collected in a very simple office-based test that requires less than five minutes and doesn't require an an, an anesthetic. Basically, uh, you go into an office and you swallow this capsule. It's Uh about the size of a vitamin tablet. Right. Uh, And on that capsule, there's a balloon. And when the balloon gets inflated, it can gently swab the inside of of your esophagus to collect these cells, similar to, um, you know, a cotton swab for testing for COVID in your mouth and so forth, except this is designed to do so uh, down in your esophagus having, after having swallowed this capsule. Um, and the cells are then sent to our laboratory uh, for molecular analysis, and a positive or negative result uh, is available. And based on those results, if it's negative, then all, all is good. <clears throat> if it's positive, then, the, um, then, then, the, then a, an endoscopy would be performed uh, to confirm uh, whether this precancer condition occurs and where it, and where it is along the spectrum and what needs to be done at that point. So this EsoGuard, it's not the kind of test you, you buy like a, a COVID test you can get now in a box and do it at home. You need to go someplace to have this done. You need to go, right? Yeah. So there are, there are uh, first of all, you need to have a physician um, order it. And uh, and then it, there are um, centers, there, there are actually ones in the, in the Denver area right now where you can go in and the nurse practitioner in a less than five-minute um, uh, pr- uh, procedure will be able to collect these cells, just like sort of going to get your blood drawn, for example, right? Right. And those cells will get sent to the lab, and uh, your physician will get the results back and help you with determining what the next steps are. Wow, this new test is really significant. You just mentioned most people are afraid to take the big test you mentioned earlier, and I don't blame them. That sounds a little scary. But this might really improve the uh, curing of this esophageal cancer. That's the goal. Right now, 5% of people, or just a bit over 5% of, of folks are screened, and the goal is to get that number to where it is right now for mammography and these other tests, 50, 60, 70, 80%. And, and if that, who were successful in doing that, then, um, then, you know, thousands of people will, 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 benefit, will, will not die oh, yeah. of this uh, terrible cancer. So and and that's, let's, that's the goal. let's talk a 
Just a bit about that, Doc. If esophageal precancer is found, can it be treated? That's correct, yeah. So what if it's in the early stages of the precancer, then what's recommended is that the patients undergo um, a test, um, an endoscopy, every three years to, to pick up if it advances from that early stage precancer to a, a more advanced precancer called dysplasia. Very similar to what, what happens when you have a colonoscopy and they find a polyp. They say, okay, that's a polyp. It's, it's benign, but let's come back and Sure. In, um, in three years, right? Right. So, so that can be monitored with the endoscopy. And if it does turn out to have advanced to a later stage precancer um, called dysplasia, then that can be treated um, with an ablation procedure where those cells uh, are destroyed uh, without having to do major surgery. They just are, are, um, are destroyed and they're normal. The normal cells return and that prevents progression to cancer. Wow, congratulations. So, yes, the bottom line is great technology has already been available for both monitoring as well as um, treating people who have progressed. But the key is they have to be identified so they can be put into this regimen, the schedule of, of monitoring and treatment. Well, before I let you go here, Doc, you've had unbelievable sound advice for many people that are maybe out there with chronic heartburn. And if they're listening now, what's the first steps they should do to let's take care of this problem? Yeah, as I mentioned, the, the, the most important thing is to understand um, uh, the risk profile. So um, as I mentioned, I'll repeat the risk factors again because it's important. To yes, yes. Uh, age over 50, uh, men, uh, white race, obesity, smoking, or family history. So if anybody who has three of those six, so as I said, 50-year-old white men who have um, a history of chronic heartburn, um, you should, as we like to say, check your food too. And, um, and the way to do that uh, is you can ask your doctor to refer you for uh, this testing, which is available in the Denver area, um, or to visit esoguard.com, E-S-O-G-U-A-R-D, uh, where there's uh, plenty of information and the opportunity to get connected to a doctor who can help you evaluate this. I forgot to ask you, were you involved with this developing of this Esoguard? Um, to some degree, yeah. I mean, this this is technology that came out of Cape Western Reserve University. There's three brilliant uh, scientist physicians there, and uh, we became aware of this technology uh, several years ago and decided to um, to partner with them in its development as well as in its uh, getting all the right for patients and their physicians. Well, congratulations on that, Doc. Dr. Uh, LaShawn Eklog, thanks for coming on Mile High Magazine here in Denver. I think you brought the attention to a, a very important situation with esophageal, and we appreciate that. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening this week. It's Mile High Magazine with Murphy Houston. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.